Hi, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk About It, a podcast with a purpose. I'm your host, Molly, and before we kick off this episode, I just want to talk about a couple of things. If you have been following the podcast, you will have noticed that episodes have not been coming out weekly. While my goal was to release an episode every Tuesday, it quickly started to feel that each topic was just not really receiving its full moment, and what I mean by that is that, you know, these are really such important and often sensitive subjects. It wasn't feeling right to put the episodes out so quickly one right after another. These are topics that need to be covered in a meaningful way. And if I'm rushing to produce it weekly, it's just not going to be meaningful and create the same impact that I want it to. I want to be respectful about the things that we discuss. And these topics are heavy and can really take some time to process So it can be difficult to fully absorb the previous topic and feel ready to take action when the next episode is coming out so soon after. Each episode contains people or animals or something that could use our help and take up space in our thoughts and care. So to me, each episode deserves more than just a week to consider. And if you are someone who really tries to take action for each topic, I think that it can feel overwhelming to constantly hear about all of these horrible things in the world. And the last thing I want to do is cause feelings of hopelessness. My, you know, my goal more than anything is to inspire action. So I hope that makes sense. And I thank you all very much for being so patient and supporting regardless, because these are really such important topics. The next order of business is the donation program with Project Alleviate. Our raising cycle just ended on the last day of February, and so we will be choosing a new recipient. So please stick around to the end of the episode to hear about the next campaign uh, because there's an important message in there. But first, we will get into our episode. This week, we are going to talk about the cruelty of circuses, focusing on the gross mistreatment of exotic animals. This episode will contain discussion of animal neglect and cruelty, so trigger warning for those who may need it. Despite growing knowledge of the dark nature of exotic animal training, circuses do still exist today. So let's talk about it. According to the Smithsonian Magazine, circuses date back as far as the 1700s, but this type of entertainment probably dates back even further. Animals were likely introduced somewhere during the 1800s, with the first act being attributed to a Frenchman who entered into the cage of a tiger. This was followed by an American man who was one of the first to stick his head into a lion's mouth. And then it basically took off from there when these acts caught the attention of the royalty at the time, and it essentially became what I think we would consider as trendy today. But this is not a history podcast, so we're going to move on. I think a little bit of history, though, will give some context into the issues that we still do see today. What I want to talk about is the basis of like a wild animal's brain. They are driven by survival and cycles of hunting, eating, resting, reproducing when necessary, and repeat. This is an oversimplification, but what this means is that there really is no harmless way to train a wild animal. They cannot be incentivized by a tree unless the necessary food and water has already been withheld from them. 
And they exist in this world of fear and defense, and training often exploits this fear through abuse and force. The only reason the animal obeys is out of a fear of the punishment of pain. There's an evolutionary psychologist named Jared Diamond, and he says the only way to train or tame a wild animal is through fear, abuse, and or starvation. And this does make sense when we look at some of the most common and horrific training methods used by like pretty much every circus. And you've probably heard of some of these before, things like bull hooks and whips. In case you don't know, bull hooks are long poles and at the end of them, there's like a really sharp hook. And these are often used in elephant training where they dig into the skin of the elephant. And often they will aim for sensitive areas like behind their ears or their ankles. And this is obviously sharp and obviously causes extreme pain for the elephant or whatever animal they're using it on. And I really hope that no one is thinking or saying that they don't feel pain the same way. I really hope that with all the science and information that we have out there, we all know that they do feel pain, but I just wanted to address it quickly to make it very clear and prevent anyone from using this absurd defense. Like there are just too many studies to count and cite proving animals, especially mammals, feel pain. So if you are still questioning it, please just like look into it a little bit more. And I think we all know what a whip is, but it works the same as the bull hook and is often used in the training of bears and cats. And what I mean when I say it works the same as the bull hook is that it causes such severe pain that the animal becomes afraid, even by the sight of the weapon, forcing them into submission. And there are plenty of ways that the abusers, aka the trainers, use the fear of physical pain and punishment, including other things like a variety of different like electrical shocks. I saw things like electrical pads, even like tasers. And then there's, of course, electrical collars and things like that. And so many sources pointed to the Federal Animal Welfare Act and complained that it sets the bar too low, even when it is being followed. They point out that it does not explicitly prohibit the use of whips, bull hooks, or any electric shock devices. I could not find a clear answer for this. I spent a lot of time digging through the Animal Welfare Act and its amendments, and I could not find a place that stated whether it was prohibited or not. I could just be missing it. Honestly, it is a lengthy and kind of like difficult document to read at times. So personally, I can't say it's there or not. If it is in there, it would be nice if it was made a little bit more obvious. Uh, you know, regardless, I do tend to agree, though, with most people that it does set the bar far too low. And most of the time, like the circus and other entertainment companies like Zeus, they just ignore it anyway. There are other horrifically cruel training measures that are less violent, but literally just as heartbreaking. This, of course, includes starvation, withholding food and water until the trick or task is performed. The animal is then, of course, so desperate to have their basic survival needs met, so they perform. One tactic I was less familiar with, though, is the process of, quote, breaking an elephant. This is keeping young elephants chained down by chains so big and heavy that they cut their skin when they're trying to get out of them. 
And it's too heavy at that point for them because they're a small elephant. So the elephant will fight until literally its spirit is broken. And by the time they are grown and bigger, it only takes like a small little rope to keep them in place because they have literally been so defeated inside that they don't even realize they could break free if they wanted to. And this is just so heartbreaking to me, especially when we take into consideration all of the research showing how emotionally intelligent elephants are. Researchers have observed elephants displaying a wide variety of emotions, including, but not limited to, happiness and joy, sadness, grief, anger, terror, stress. There's a behavior I found that researchers can only best guess is some sort of grief and or remembering. And this is when an elephant is passing by a spot where another elephant that they knew died. They will pause and sort of have this moment, almost like a moment of silence with the bones. They have even been, been seen to caress them, smell them, and turn over the bones. And it's not clear what is happening here. Maybe they are trying to identify the remains, maybe just remember them, remember a moment there or with that elephant, uh, but they do think that it is some sort of grieving or act of remembrance. There's another really sweet example where one herd of elephants was observed to start traveling overall at a slower pace after a member of their group. They got a leg injury and never really fully recovered from it. So as a whole group, they couldn't travel as quickly, but the herd kind of adjusted their speed and you know, adapted for that one individual. But I could go on and on about how incredible elephants are. That's not really what this is about. I hope that this just allows you to feel a little bit more compassion for another animal that feels so strongly just like us. I hope you can see why it's so heartbreaking for a baby animal to be ripped away from its mother to then be forced to wear chains until its spirit is literally so broken and defeated that it loses all hope. Elephant babies are in constant physical contact with their mothers, so much so that they even display signs of PTSD when they are separated. Now, you may be thinking, Molly, big circuses like Ringling Pros and Barnum and & Bailey have shut their doors. Like, circuses are not this problem anymore. And yes, this is true that Ringling Bros and Barnum and & Bailey have shut their doors. I want to pause here for a second because this brings up a couple of important things that I really want to highlight. One, this is a great example of how we really can make a difference. Ringling Bros and Barterman and Bailey are amongst some of the worst offenders when it comes to animal cruelty, and they truly made animals suffer for far too long, like nearly 200 years. But the suffering they caused did come to an end in 2017, and I cannot stress enough that this is because of people like you and me fighting and advocating for change. This is with our voices, but also with our dollars. And I know I talk so much about voting with your dollars, but it really does matter. They shut their doors because we stopped showing them that we were willing to give our money to cruelty, and they have plans to reopen without any animals. This is also partly due to the actions by PETA, and I know that PETA is a bit controversial, and I'm not here to tell you one way or another that they are good or bad. I honestly think it's a bit more complicated than that, because, you know, at the end of the day, they have shed some light on some truly horrific and incredibly important things that do exist in our world, and they have played a role in ending a lot of 
horrible things, including the circus nightmare. So we wouldn't have stopped giving money to the circus until we knew the truth of it. And PETA really did help expose that truth. And while this is, you know, overall a huge victory, it saddens me so much to say that it really is not the end because the Ringling Bros and the Barnum and Baileys were just the big ones. But there are hundreds, if not thousands of smaller circuses all over America and all around the world that are still using wild and exotic animals in their shows today. And some of them will try to boast that they are treating the animals humanely, but are they really? Like, how are they? I come back to what we talked about earlier in the episode. Can they be trained humanely? We aren't talking about a dog that you adopted from the shelter that you teach how to sit with some bones and some treats. Do you really think that you could do that with your backyard coyote that you caught in a trap, your backyard bobcat? The truth is, no, you could not. The only way you could control the behavior of that wild animal is to exploit its drive to survive, either by taking away its food and water or beating it into submission, and that's just not humane. So I think a big next step in this fight is to shed light on these small undercover circuses that are under the guise of caring for the welfare of the animals because it's just not true. It sounds maybe kind of silly, but if you see a flower and you love it, you leave it. If we care about these animals, then we wouldn't be using them for our entertainment bottom line. A humane circus is an oxymoron, honestly, and caring about these animals is allowing them to exist without needing it to serve us a purpose, if that makes sense. One in particular that I really want to expose is Shrine Circus. I have also seen them refer to as Shriner Circus, so I don't really know. And honestly, they point blank just fucking suck. And from everything I can tell, they still operate all over America to this very day, still using wild animals. If you like Google them, they'll have a bunch of dates coming up, even just in March, that you can buy tickets for. I saw one source say in 2022 that the show would no longer use as many exotic animals, quote, only a few elephants, dogs, and ponies which I guess elephants aren't exotic animals anymore, but we know how horrific elephant training is anyway, so it's just mind-blowing to me that the response to backlash about their use of wild animals is to say, oh, don't worry, we're only using some elephants, dogs, and ponies, as if that makes it okay. But, like, because I think it's also safe to say that if you're treating elephants, bears, and tigers poorly, you don't care for animals in general, and you probably treat the dogs and the horses just as horribly too. And I saw this response from other circuses too, saying they would only be using domesticated animals in their shows from now on. But this is hardly any better. Animals are not like naturally desiring to perform for us. Could we just please leave them alone? And it's all just to make money. And when money gets involved, I think it can be a really slippery slope to prioritizing that over the well-being of the animals, whether they are tigers or dogs, you know? Again, like, let's just leave the animals out of it. They cannot consent or agree to it. They get nothing out of it. Like, if adult people want to consent to performing for money, like, that is great. Awesome. Good for them. But let's leave those that cannot consent, like, the fuck alone, please. There are lists and lists out there with every circus that's ever done wrongdoings and if they still exist. I'm not going to list them all here. That's not really the point. What you can take away from this is don't support it ever in any way, shape, or form, big or small. It doesn't matter 
what animals they're using. If they try to say that they're doing it in a kind way, they're not. Just don't support it, plain and simple. Because at the end of the day, it just isn't ethical. Aside from all the horror we discussed today, we didn't even mention the small cages, the forced breeding, the stress of bright lights, loud crowds, and so much more. These are not natural circumstances for these animals, and this alone causes severe and unnatural stress. You know, stress can be a good and natural thing, but these animals are made for a different type, not what they are facing on a performing stage. And I know that throughout this episode, we talk mostly about animals, but please know that the abuse and exploitation is not limited to them. The Federal Animal Welfare Act is written for, quote, warm-blooded animals, only, which means that these rights don't even apply to a huge number of animals that also experience suffering all the same. My main concern with this topic is the animal welfare, but it should also be noted that circuses pose a huge risk to people in general as well, like the people who work the circus and those that attend. These are wild animals, and they are under a lot of stress, and there's truly just no telling how they will act. And I don't have to tell you, there are numerous accounts all across the country of attacks on people while either working or attending something like a circus or a zoo. There is a database online I found that has all of these attacks. It includes zoos and other places like that, just so you know, but I will have that linked in case you're interested. But let's talk about what we can do, and we know that we can do something about it because we've already gotten some results. Firstly, like I said, just don't support it. Find something else to do, plain and simple. Let's stop using our dollars to support horrible freaking crap. People who exploit animals really only care about money, so let's use that against them and take it away. Let's also reach out not only to government officials about legislation because that does really need to be updated. It's kind of useless in a lot of ways right now, but there are plenty of states that have already started banning the use of exotic animals in the circus, so it really can have an impact. But also reach out to these circuses and tell them to stop. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The squeaky wheel gets the grease and if for nothing else, let's make them stop because at the very least, they're annoyed and they want to keep making money. Uh, many of them have their contact information on their website. I'm going to have a template linked in the notes and on our website, letstalkpod.org. So you can even just like copy and paste that. You won't even need to take the time to write your own thing if you don't want to. But please, I would really encourage you to send some messages. So while doing this episode, I became really overwhelmed and heartbroken with just how mistreated the other species that we share this planet with have been literally over the course of our entire history. Hundreds, if not thousands of years of sufferings at our hands, like only for our own gain. So It really has been emotional and difficult, but I want to turn that into something. So we're going to do a bit of a campaign. I have no idea how long it will last, but the next several episodes will cover a different topic relating to the subject of wild and exotic animal abuse and exploitation. I thought about doing one episode that kind of encompassed everything because so much of what we talked about today applies to a lot of other situations, not just the circus. 
but it would be too much. And each individual topic, I think, really does deserve its own episode and action. So this is also what we will be raising funds for through Project Alleviate. The exact organization has not been selected yet. It may be multiple. If you have any input, please reach out at lettalkaboutitpod at gmail.com. I will have that link. It's also on our website. I really would love for this to be a collaborative thing. So that's what we will be doing over here. And I you know, encourage you as always to find ways to be active yourself in a way that works for you. You can, of course, always find an organization to donate to. I always try to find one or some that I can tell you, you know, suggest to you. Uh, But I always end up feeling like that's a decision you ultimately need to make for yourself. I have yet to find one that I really want to give my money to. It mostly ends up being that I think they are keeping too much money for themselves, basically. But if you feel differently about that and are okay with it, then I don't know. Ultimately, that's your decision to make. But I thank you all so much for listening again to these really important topics that are not easy, but important. And it means a lot to me that we're all willing to to uh, to face those those hard feelings and and listen anyway. And we will be back with another episode very soon.